but you need to get someone here fast. I suggest you send an investigator because I have a feeling this might be human blood and I don't want to compromise any more evidence than I already have. Of course, sir. Please remain on the line and do your best to remain calm. If you tell me to remain calm one more time, I'm going to implode and become consumed by spontaneous combustion. There's a car on the way. Sir, you just have to remain calm. This is Salem, Massachusetts, and we are moving into the Halloween season, you know. You may be the victim of a prank. Now stay on the line and remain calm, Mr. Hall. She gasped suddenly, her well-learned rhetoric failing her for a moment. (gasps) Oh, you're the Sam Hall. He heard the sound of a siren then. They're here, is all he said. Thanks. He hit the end icon on his phone. A patrol car pulled up on the road in front of him. Two uniformed officers exited from either side, guns in position. He's not armed, Sam called. He's in shock. He needs medical attention. An ambulance is on the way, the driver called out. And Detective Alden. Alden? He wondered if it was his old friend John. They had been on the football team together. John had always wanted to be a detective. He must have worked his way up through the ranks. The patrolmen walked forward, slowly holstering their guns. Patrolman Nathan Brewster, one said, introducing himself, and my partner, Robert Bishop. Sam nodded. Samuel Hall, he said, but the patrolmen were just staring at the boy. They glanced at each other uneasily. What's going on? Sam asked. The two had holstered their weapons, but appeared ready to spring for them again at any second. The two exchanged glances. We're not really at liberty to say, sir. Fine. Well, I think we have to get him into a heated car, or he'll die of exposure pretty soon, Sam said. But before the patrolmen were compelled to respond, the sound of sirens suddenly seemed to grow to an alarming pitch. First on the scene was an unmarked car. A grim, solid-looking man of fifty in a worn woolen coat and plaid sweater exited the driver's side and strode quickly toward them. Plainclothes cop. Detective, Sam thought. He hoped it was John. It was. But unlike the others, he didn't pull a weapon. He hurried forward, passing between the patrolman and Sam and the youth. He didn't look at Sam, but at the boy, and his expression wasn't authoritarian or harsh, but sad. Malachi, he said. Good God, you've done it now. Excuse me, he's in shock. John, it's Sam. Sam Hall. John Alden looked at Sam. Sham! I was on my way to the folks' place. I nearly hit the boy. He was just standing there in the road, covered in blood. Sam, Alden repeated. He looked as if he was about to say good to see you or something to that effect, but in the road with a blood-splattered boy, it just wasn't appropriate. John, this kid needs help. I think he's in shock, Sam repeated. John Alden nodded. Yeah... He'll get medical attention. And he's in shock, you say? He should be. He just hacked his family to death. Lexington House. There it stood, on a cliff by the water, eerie as ever. Its paint was chipping, the exterior was gray, and it had been weathered through the centuries by icy winds off the Atlantic Ocean. The ground floor windows seemed like black eyes. The second floor windows might have been startled brows, half covered by the eaves of the roof. Oddly enough, Lexington House had always remained in private hands. 
From its builder, the Puritan Eli Lexington, to its recent owner, the now-deceased Abraham Smith, it had always found a new buyer after each of its tragedies. People had once known its early history, but that had been lost amid the witchcraft trials that scarred American history. And when Mr. and Mrs. Braden had been brutally murdered two centuries later in the 1890s, the world knew that their son had been guilty of the crime. But the legal system had worked for the killer this time, and he'd been acquitted. He and his sister had promptly sold the house to another private party. Eighty years later it had become a bed and breakfast, and then it had been purchased by Abraham Smith, who had longed for the property on its little cliff, segregated from all but a few neighbors, one of whom had been murdered last week. And now today... Jenna Duffy had heard about nothing but the Lexington house on the radio since she'd started for Salem from Boston this morning. Uncle Jamie had called her days before, begging that she come to Salem.